Good morning, church. It is incredible to be with you in the house this morning. Whew! It's a good Sunday. Um, I have had a very unique experience. Uh, like Pastor Andrew said, my name is Joe Richard, and if you recognize that last name, that means you've been around here for more than a couple weeks, uh, because it's also Pastor Max's last name. I'm his son, for those of you that don't know. And so I have had an incredible view over the last 25, almost 26 years now of what Lake Hills Church has been at every iteration, from the Forest Trail Cafetorium to Westlake High School to here. And I just wanna start by saying thank you to all of y'all. Thank y'all for being the church over the last 25 and 26 years. If you've just come in the last few months, if you've been here for 10 years, however long you've been, thank you for being the church family that you are and that made me realize who I am in Christ and just step into who God has created me to be. So selfishly, I wanna say thank you. I also wanna say thank you on behalf of our entire student ministry because a couple weeks ago, we just got back from Colorado, Brecken, Breckenridge, Colorado, um, and it was gorgeous, but the biggest thing that happened was God moved in some incredible ways, not only in the lives of our high schoolers, but also the lives of the leaders that we took in my life personally, and it was amazing. And all of it was made possible through y'all's generosity and y'all's faithfulness, so thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I also wanna retouch on and highlight some things that Pastor Andrew said. Uh, in the next couple weeks, we've got some huge Sundays that you want to make sure your bottom is in a chair for at 9.15 or 11. Uh, July 30th, which is two weeks from now, so not next week, but the next week, we've got Darren Woodson coming, and Darren Woodson played for the Dallas Cowboys before I was alive, um, but he won Super Bowls, which also happened to Dallas before I was alive. Um, and so he's gonna be coming and just talking about his journey with God and everything on and off the field. It's incredible. I might challenge him to an Oklahoma drill and just see if I can run through him. Uh, it's probably not gonna work, but he's 50-something, so that, that gives me a shot at least. Um, and then also August 13th, we've got, I don't know if you saw in the lobby, but Candace Cameron Bure, the DJ Tanner, is going to be in the house. It is going to be incredible. And so hey, go ahead and get your phones out right now. Go ahead, pop them out of pocket, turn on your camera, scan that QR code, because it's gonna send you to an invite that you can post on social media, that you can blast to all your friends and get as many people as possible in the house on those Sundays. Now, let me also explain our heart behind that. Let me explain why we do stuff like that. It's so that it creates an easy invite opportunity so you can go up to your friend and be like, hey, remember Full House that we grew up watching even if it was 10 years after and we were only watching on reruns at Nick and Knight? She's gonna be here. So you should come and sit with me. And then when they get here, we share the word of God. We share the gospel with them and we let them know how much Jesus loves them, how much God loves them because there are so many people in our communities, in our lives, in our spheres of influence that have no idea yet how much God loves them and what all God created them for. So that is our heart behind it. I promise you, if you get them here, they will hear the word of God because our vision and the reason we do everything at Lake Hills Church 
is to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. And through every iteration of Lake Hills Church, from the cafetorium to now, that has been the vision, and for as long as we will be here, that is going to be the vision, because that's what we're about. We are about growing the community of Christ one life at a time. That's why we do camps, that's why we do fun events for students like Big Summer Blowout, which if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, that's actually happening tonight at Lakeway Swim Center, so it's gonna be a blast from 7.30 to 9. Your student does not wanna miss that. And then also, Jolton United Camp, like Pastor Andrew talked about in that video, you can get all that information and more at lhc.org. That's lhc.org. Um, but today, we're actually going to continue this series of talks or this group of talks that we've been in pretty much uh, for the whole summer, talking about the God of power. And in this, we've looked at the different psalms that are a collection of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And what these words, they were songs that Israel would sing as they were headed to Jerusalem for the holy festivals that happened three times a year. And so what I think is kind of cool about that is as we're reading these, these are things that Jesus himself would have sung at least or about three times a year. And last week, Pastor Andrew talked about the God of power through work and the power that work can have and how we are designed for work. And this morning, I have the very fortunate opportunity to talk about hope. We're talking about hope today. And I know what some of you might be thinking. Of course, they brought in the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 26-year-old to talk about hope. We don't need hope. Hope is not a strategy. We need grit. We need stick to We need perseverance. I hear you. Hear me out. We do need hope. Because as much as hope needs perseverance, I would argue to you that perseverance needs hope. There is no reason, there is no cause to persevere if you don't have hope that it's gonna get better one day. And so hope is actually, when we use it right, when we view it right, when we internalize it correctly and biblically, hope is crucial. And all hope is, or sorry, all perseverance really is, when we're talking about that, is just hope in action. Perseverance is just hope in action. And so today we're gonna be looking at Psalm 130, and it says this, it says, oh, and by the way, this is an interactive talk, so anything that's highlighted, bold, and all caps, you get to say out loud, so you're welcome. And y'all are, y'all are the 11 o'clock, you've already had your coffee, so y'all better put the 915 to shame, that's all I'm saying. Psalm 130 says this, it says, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Hear my cry, O Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my... All right, we're gonna try that one more time. Y'all did, you caught up. You got good, but we're gonna try that again. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. yes. More than centuries long for the dawn, O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. 
Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. That is the promise today. And so let's go ahead and pray, and we'll dive in. God, we come to you today excited and expectant. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and get to know more about you, get to know you more. God, we thank you for the privilege of being known by you. And God, we thank you for the hope that you give. God, we thank you for the hope that is in your name, the power that is in your name. And God, I just pray that you move through me and in spite of me, God, fill this place and do what only you can do. And we pray all these things in your son's all-powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're talking about hope. And I don't think there's much of an argument to be made that the world needs to get better. That we can use a little more hope in our world. And if you do disagree with me, that's fair. Go scroll Twitter for five minutes and then come back because we'll all be on the same page after that. The world needs more hope. The world needs a little bit more optimism so that we have a reason to persevere, so that we have a reason to stick through everything that we're going through. So turn to your neighbor and with passion and enthusiasm, tell them, get you some hope. Get you some hope. Now, before we get hope, we have to define hope. We have to make sure we're all on the same page about what hope is and what hope is not. So our working definition of hope for this morning is going to be this. It's a belief that things can and should get better than they are. A belief that things can and should get better than they are. That's what we're talking about when we talk about hope. But it's also, as we establish what hope is, it's just as important, if not more important, to establish what hope is not. And so while true, biblically-centered God-focused hope is, is it's practical. Biblical hope is practical. It is not whimsical. It's practical, it's not whimsical. It's not looking at the world and thinking, oh, well, the sun will come out tomorrow, so bet your butt. It's not that. I love Annie. It's, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about biblical hope. It's practical. It's saying, this is where we are, this is the reality we live in, and this is God's ideal, and I believe that through action and taking action, we can get closer and closer as a community, a group, a world, to what God originally intended. It's practical. What hope also is, is it's prayerful. True biblical hope is prayerful. It is inherently a connection with God, it's acknowledging that Hey, God, I don't think this was your original plan, but I, I want to work with you. I want to be in communication with you to get to where we need to be. What it's not is it is not wishful. True hope is not wishful. I, I used to go to bed every Christmas Eve, and I would wish so earnestly and so dearly and so sincerely that I would wake up six foot nine. I just wanted to be six foot nine because I wanted to play small forward in the NBA. And then I turned 25 and I stopped making that wish. Some of you laugh, they, it, it's serious. That was about the time I stopped. Because I realized, I was like, whoa, that wish is about something I want. That wish is totally on me. That's not a prayer between me and God. That's saying, hey God, this is what I want right now and so this is what I should have. 
That's not what we're talking about, about biblical hope. Biblical hope isn't saying, hey, let's make the world look the way Joe wants it to look. Biblical hope is saying, hey, God, I'm with you in this. Let's partner together and your will be done, not mine. So it's prayerful, it's not wishful. The third thing that hope is, is it is powerful. True biblical hope is powerful. It is not weak. I think there's a distortion in our society about what hope really is and the impact hope can have, but the reality is true hope centered and focused on God and God's ideal is powerful. It is contagious. It is attractional. It is saying, hey, I understand that we're not where we want to be, but I believe we can get there, and I also believe we're not where we were. True biblical hope is powerful, and it invites others in. And so now that we've established what hope is and what it is not, we've acknowledged that it's practical, prayerful, powerful, it's between God, it's submitting to God, all of those things, the next step is, okay, it's great to be able to identify something, now how do I get it? How do I make it mine? How do I truly internalize and not only think and know, but genuinely believe in hope? And how can I get hopeful? I think the psalmist who wrote Psalm 130 does such a good job of letting us know. Psalm 30 verses one and two say, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord, Pay attention to my prayer. I call for your help. The first thing we need to do is we need to go to the source. We have to, have to, have to turn to the one who not only gives hope, but also has the answers. An update, it ain't me, and I hate to break it to you, it's not y'all. God is the only one that can truly give us the hope. If we start to look internally too much or we start to go to friends, that may be hopeful for a moment, but eventually that's going to extinguish. But if we go to the source and if we root our hope in the one that created everything, the one whose ideals are perfect, that is how to have lasting hope. And then once we go to the source, there are three things that we can do. Once we go to God, there are three postures we can take. And number one is just worship. Number one is simple. It's just worship. We worship him. Psalm 71, 14, and again, when these words are underlined and bold, read them out. It says, as for me, I will always have what? Hope. hope. I will what? Praise. praise you more and more. I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. See, the more we focus on God, the more we go to God and say, God, you are God and I am not, and I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I acknowledge you as God the more we praise him, by definition, the less time we're focusing on everything around us, the less time we're focusing on everything that's wrong around us, the less oxygen we're giving to the fires around us. And so it starts to put things in perspective and God starts to align his vision with our vision, his heart with our heart, just by us praising him. And so the first thing we do is worship. The second thing we do, and I didn't want to write this down. I didn't want to put this one because I don't like it very much, which is why I, how I knew I needed to put it. Because the second one is trust. Trust. Trust in God's timing. 
and, and understanding that God is God and I am not. And so maybe there's something to that that God has a greater perspective than I have. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we what? Hope for what we do not see, we what? Wait for it with patience. That is a personal attack and I don't like it, but I have to trust it. I have to trust that again, God is God and I am not. And that's a good thing. I don't wanna be God. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of weight on my shoulders. I can't hold that. I'm just a guy. I, I don't see the bigger picture. I get so focused in what's going on in Joe's life that I forget there is a world out there that doesn't yet know how much God loves them. And so there are things that I see right now as life or death. There are things that I can't see the end of the tunnel, but I have to trust that even if I can't see it, I know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I have to trust that even if I, I don't see how it's going to get better, I know that it can because God says that it can and will. So we gotta trust. Number three, and this one seems like a given, but I think it's the one we have to be most intentional about. Because number three is just to accept it. After we worship him, after we trust in his timing, we have to remember to accept the hope that he gives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what? Good and not for disaster. To give you a what? Future and a hope. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. And so what we have to do, our responsibility then is to accept that. Our responsibility is to acknowledge that God wants good for us, that God has good for us, and we can accept that. We have the ability, we have the choice, we have the responsibility to accept what God is so earnestly trying to give us. And once we internalize hope, once we have a better understanding of what true hope is, once we accept it for ourselves and let it to work in our hearts and frame our perspective of how we see the world, the next step is how do we use it? What do we do with the hope? What do we actually do? How do we put it into practice to have genuine hope? And that is where perseverance comes in. Perseverance, like we said earlier, all it is is it's hope in action. Perseverance is saying, hey, this is really hard right now, but I believe that if I just put one foot in front of the other, if I make one choice after the next choice, it's going to get better, and it can get better, and it will get better because I trust God. That's perseverance. Perseverance isn't holding on for the sake of holding on. It's not pushing through just because it's hard. It's pushing through with the perspective that it's going to get better. Psalm 129, right before the psalm we've been going through, the psalmist says, from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Not exactly uplifting. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have what? Never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows, but the Lord is good. 
He's cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half grown, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the Lord's name. My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows, but the Lord is good. The author here, the psalmist, doesn't ignore the reality. He's not shirking what is real. He's acknowledging it and accepting it, but then trusting that it can still get better in spite of it. During COVID, when we were all locked in and shut down, I picked up a few extra hobbies, like I'm sure some of you did. Maybe some of you got really into sourdough. Maybe some of you crocheted. I don't know. What I did was I got real nerdy, and I got into Rubik's Cubes. And I mean like really into Rubik's Cubes. Like I got a speed cube, a four by four, a three by three. It's a whole slew of cubes. And I I wanted to make sure that I knew how to solve it. And and I wanted to do it the right way. So hand up, I cheated. I went online and I looked up, how do you solve a Rubik's Cube? And I went to rubikscube.com and they showed me how to solve it. And I love them, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, if I had just done this the way I wanted to do it, if I had just started making turns, eventually it was not going to look the way that it should look. Eventually, nothing was going to be recognizable about this Rubik's Cube. And then I realized, I do that a lot of times in life. A lot of times when I figure out or decide I wanna do something the way Joe wants to do it, I start taking steps, start putting one foot in front of the other, and at the end of the day, it is completely unrecognizable from how it began. And so what I had to do was, I had to say, okay, you know what? Joe doesn't know how to solve this. Joe doesn't know what turns to make. Joe doesn't know what choices to make. Joe doesn't know what decisions to make. So I've got to go back to the source. I've got to go to the designer of Rubik's Cube, the creator of Rubik's Cube, to tell me how to solve this. Because if I tried to solve it myself, I would look up and be like, oh wait, my relationships aren't as close as they used to be. I I would take a couple more turns and I would realize, oh wait, my, my finances aren't what they should be. I would take a couple more turns and realize, oh wait, my spouse doesn't look at me the way she used to. I would, I'm not actually married, this is a hypothetical. I would take a couple more turns and I would realize, oh wait, my friends aren't making the choices that I thought we decided to make together. My life is suddenly unrecognizable from what it used to be. So I just need to make more turns, right? Like I just need to figure it out on my own. And then sometimes there's stuff that's completely out of your control. Sometimes people make decisions in life for you and they start turning the wheels of your own life and then a couple days later, you might get your life back or you might get the cube back. (laughs) And it's completely different from what you remember. It's completely different from being right. And, And if I came up to any one of you and said, guys, I solved it. You'd look at me like I was crazy. You'd be right. And you'd say, Joe, that's, that's not what it's supposed to look like. Joe, that's not what it's designed to look like when it's finished. And 
hopefully, if you're a good enough friend, you would recommend that I go back to the source, that I go and learn what steps to take, learn what turns to make all with the hope that eventually I start making one choice and then another and then another. And as I'm going, it's starting to look a little bit more like what it's supposed to. My life starts to look a little bit more like what God intended. My relationships are suddenly healthy. I finally am taking the right steps and making the right turns and it's not ending in frustration but instead there's a peace that goes along with it. And yeah, some people are gonna say you cheated because you went to the creator. But isn't that the smart way to do it? Isn't that what can actually help you figure out the right way to do it and the right turns to make? And so you can look at them and you can say, yeah, I went to the creator because the creator knows how he designed me. The creator knows what steps I need to take, what turns I need to make, what moves I need to make to get my life back where it's supposed to be. And so with the perspective of perseverance and with the perspective of hope, I believe that I can get my life in the way that it was supposed to look. I can get my life back to what it was supposed to be and I can do it because I'm looking through the lens of who created the life in the first place. This life that I'm living is not a life that I began. It's a life that God created and God designed uniquely. And so who am I to think that I know how to run my life? Who am I to think I know what steps to take, I know what to push through, I know what to give up, I know how to look at the world? That's not what that's about, but we gotta go back to the source. We have to believe that it can get better. We have to believe that it will get better one decision after the next. And it can get overwhelming if it doesn't look like it's supposed to. It can get overwhelming if it looks so jumbled that you don't even know where to go. And so you just zoom out, take a step back, and say, you know what, God? I've turned the cube my way enough, and it's too jumbled. I've made it look unrecognizable but I'm just gonna take one step. I'm just gonna make one choice for you. I'm just gonna do one thing, the next right thing. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And at just the right time doesn't mean in Job's timing. At just the right time doesn't mean, hey, God, I've been making good choices for a month now. Where's my blessing? God, where is it? I've been making good choices for six months now. I've been going to church. I've been checking the boxes. I've been connecting with you. Where's my blessing? At just the right time means we've got to trust it. We've got to trust in God's timing, and we have to persevere. But we have to persevere with the perspective of hope. We've got to push through. Philippians 3.14, this is a, a, a cling-to verse to me. This is something that when life gets hard, this is one of the ones I go to because it, it's a reminder 
of the value of perseverance. It's a reminder of the value of hope. It's a long-term perspective. Philippians 3.14, the author says this. says, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, and this is my favorite part, is calling us. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. God's not just calling me. He's not just calling you. He's calling us as a community to receive the heavenly prize. And so that's why when I make choice after choice after choice, decision after decision for God, and I'm surrounding myself with godly community, I'm surrounding myself with the church, then all of a sudden I look back and we have a, an army of people walking in the same direction toward the same goal, unified. And we have the privilege of inviting others into that. We have the privilege of living our lives in such a way that would attract others into that. We have the responsibility of it. It's on our shoulders. Jesus, when he was teaching, he would say, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But there was also a time where Jesus was preaching and he looked at the people and he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And I don't know if you've looked outside, but this world needs some light. That's our responsibility. That's our calling Y'all, that's our privilege, to be the light to the world. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The reason we persevere, the reason we have hope is because our perspective is in the end game. Our perspective is that God has already won. Our perspective is that death has been defeated. Our perspective is that Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and forever, is King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, and rose out of the grave for us personally and collectively. And so our responsibility, what we do with that, we have hope. We have hope that it can get better with us because of God. And so we persevere. We push through. There are seasons of hopelessness, yes. There are seasons of hard time, yes. But step after step, choice after choice, turn after turn, we push through. And we help each other. We bring each other along because that's what the family of faith does. That's what the community of Christ does. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, that's great, but that's not really me. I'm not in that family of faith yet. I haven't stepped into that community of Christ. Well, one, welcome. We're thrilled you're here. Two, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. We want to give you the opportunity that if you feel God working in your heart, that he's saying today is your day to accept the hope that is offered through Christ Jesus that will allow you to press on to reach the heavenly prize. If today you want to name Jesus your Lord and Savior, it's really easy, or simple rather, because all it takes is everything. It's just saying, you know what, God? I've turned my life my way for so long, and now it's unrecognizable. I've turned my life my way for so long that 
I know this isn't what it's supposed to look like. I just don't know how to get it back to what it is. God's here for you. God's here for you and God's saying, all right, let's do it together, one step at a time. And so if today you wanna step over that line of faith and you wanna name Jesus your Lord and Savior, we just wanna give you that opportunity. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can just say this prayer silently. You can say, God, I know I've messed up. I I know my life isn't what it's supposed to be. God, I believe that you've sent Jesus down to forgive me and accept me, to invite me into a life of hope, a life of joy, a life of love. And so God, today I'm saying, I'm not living my life for me anymore. I'm not making my own turns. I'm going to my creator and I'm living life with and for you now, God. God, today I'm, I'm choosing to name Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if that was your prayer today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just ask that you mark this moment for you personally and definitively. Just mark this moment by silently but boldly sticking your hand up in the air. Because it takes courage to admit when you need God's help, but it takes so much more courage to declare that you're on God's side. So, if today you said that prayer, then just raise your hand silently where you are. Incredible, incredible. And for everyone else in the room, God, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that you reveal yourself to us. Thanksgiving that You make it known how much you love us and how much you know us, God. God, I thank you for everything you've done, are doing, and are going to continue to do. God, I pray that you give us a perspective of hope and of perseverance as we go throughout our lives to continue to making step-by-step, choice-after-choice for and with you. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.